Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing that pause button today to Edge Got In, to your mind, your will, and those emotions. Wow, there's a lot of them out there. That's for darn sure. And our mission here at Edge Got In is to champion your human potential in Christ. Edge Got In is the voice of emotional intelligence in Christ. You can find out more information on that project the Emotional Intelligence in Christ project. Simply put, it basically empowers you by God's grace to be able to be the boss of your emotions so that you can love others well as Jesus did and continues to do. But man, those emotions emotions can really hijack us really quickly, particularly when we feel threatened. Tosses us to the animal planet zone, the back part of the brain, the mammalian brain, and we only have three reactive choices. So, my friends, where were you hijacked in the last week? What gotcha emotionally? What have you given free rent to? Something that happened that caused you to feel threatened. And so therefore you were tossed into the back part of the brain. They refer to it as bottom-up thinking in neuroscience versus top-down thinking. I find that very interesting. In neuroscience, they refer to bottom-up thinking and top-down thinking. We know <laughs> the top-down thinking is the way to go, and that's our victory over those strong emotions that keep us up at night, that cause us to uh, create all kinds of stories. In fact, when our thoughts go awry, we, we typically go into um, six different areas, and perhaps you can identify with one of these areas. We'll overgeneralize. Uh, that means that we will um, expand the outcome of an individual event too broadly. Sometimes we catastrophize in bottom-up thinking, focusing on the worst. So perhaps this last week you've been focusing on the worst scenario that could possibly happen, the most extreme outcome regardless of likelihood. Uh, All-or-nothing thinking slithers in as well with bottom-up thinking, focusing only on the best or the worst of a situation without considering the full range of the effects. Jumping to conclusions is another one. Overinterpreting a situation with minimal information. So we just jump to conclusions. Selective attention is another thing that happens when we're hijacked to the bottom up thinking. And that's attending only to the negative aspects of a situation versus considering the positive. And we also mind read. We create all kinds of mind reading. We think we know what other people thinking are thinking, and studies continually reveal what we think people are thinking is not what they're thinking. <laughs> it's what we're thinking. And so our invitation today, uh, as we're kind of having a little short chat about this, is to take back the power that you give to outside circumstances, to define your sense of safety and significance. When you feel that your safety and significance is challenged in any way, then you will be tossed into animal planet and nothing good happens in the animal planet zone. Now we know with Jesus, we can shake all things off. Jesus even spoke about this. Hey, when you go into a house, you're not accepted. You can apply any situation to that. So just even thinking about that, what house did you go into this week that triggered you, that hijacked your emotional intelligence in Christ Jesus is asking you to wipe the dust off your feet, forgive, and move on. And even in the midst of that, if he desires for you to continually witness in a situation, ask him what he wants you to say, what he wants you to do, and how he wants you to do it and say it. 
God will not call us to anything without giving us the strength, the wisdom, and the ability to do it. So Edge Got In, you could visit us at edgegotin.com. There's a one sheet with every podcast to help you catch your learnings and transfer them into behavior. Before we begin, I'd like to ask you to think of one to three things and invite the Holy Spirit to help you to tune into one to three things from today's podcast that he desires for you to carry forward with you into your life and your relationships to witness the gospel message and to draw you closer to his love for you. Actually, to draw you closer to his love for you so that you can witness the gospel message. We can't give out what we haven't experienced within. So that's my prayer for you, that the Holy Spirit would move you to pick one to three things based on today's topic that he desires for you to take forward. You can print out that one sheet at edgegodin.com. We also have over 200 podcasts now covering just about any human being topic you can possibly imagine. You can also visit us at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com and explore that project as well and be a part of our community of the EIC, Emotional Intelligence in Christ community. Still offering that course if you haven't jumped on at 50% off to teach you how to become the boss of your feelings. If you go to emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com, you'll see the course. You'll also see a six-week study guide if you haven't had the opportunity to experience that, as well as our book and other resources that you can explore with the Holy Spirit. Again, with anything that comes your way, simply ask God, is this for me to draw me closer to you, first and foremost, so, so that I can allow the Holy Spirit to empower me with the ability to discern and manage my emotions and behaviors in a way that honors you, dear God, by loving others well as you did. And that's our that's truly our mission statement at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com to create those learning systems that lead you to an encounter with God's love. So everything you find at Emotional Intelligence in Christ, that was our, our prayer into it. Dear God, we pray that this book, this six-week study guide, this course would lead people to an encounter with your love through Jesus so that the Holy Spirit can empower them with the ability to discern and manage emotions and behaviors in a way that honors God. The code to use at checkout for the course, if you choose to take that journey, if you're moved by the Holy Spirit to do so, is EIC2023. Let's jump in. Today's topic is entitled, Set Goals from Inspiration, Not Desperation. Sweet Jesus. I know if you don't show up, this will not land where you want it to land. So I give you permission to override me. Give me the grace to remember that all good things come from you. And we dedicate this time for you. For those people that are showing up and listening today, I pray that they would be blessed in their lives. With a deeper understanding of the depth of your love that you have for them. Because as we reunite our will to yours, that is grounded in your endless, unconditional love, all things become possible for us. Give us discernment, because there's a lot of things that pop into our lives, these shiny objects and different projects and things that pull us in one direction and another direction. 
give us discernment, clarity of focus for accuracy of response so that we can set goals that come from inspiration, your inspiration within us and not desperation. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, sweet Savior, for the edification of everyone who's tuning in today. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A coaching question for you to pause and think about for one moment. When was the last time you set a goal and felt inspired to accomplish it? God inspired you to accomplish this specific goal. Keep that in mind. If you haven't thought of one, just pause for a moment. You can even pause the replay of this and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, when was the last time I set a goal and I was inspired by you to accomplish it? Remember what you looked like, felt like, sounded like as God inspired you, breathed into you to accomplish this goal? What was the ramification of that goal? Keep that in mind as we continue to explore this topic, setting goals from inspiration, not desperation. Deuteronomy 30.20, love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. This verse comes from one that I memorized when I was back in college. I remember it even in my mind. I wrote it down on a note card and, and pinned it to my bulletin board. And it starts at Deuteronomy 19. So Deuteronomy 19 through 30, it's all beautiful, beautiful invitation. This day I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life that you may live, that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20. Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20. Inspiration. What is it and how can we get more of it? It comes from the word inspire, which means in spirit and spiritus. The Latin etymology means to breathe into, to give life to. And the Holy Spirit actually breathes inspiration in spirit into us. Augustine said that famous uh, line that I use quite a bit in the podcast, sweet Jesus, give my spirit permission to guide my flesh versus my flesh permission to guide my spirit. Nothing good happens when our flesh is guiding our spirit, right? You know that to be true. If I sat down with you and over a cup of coffee, I can say, hey, in the last week, when was your flesh guiding your spirit? And you'd be able to come up with something something that spun you, which is often how we begin these podcasts to just kind of do an examination of consciousness. When did I get hijacked in the last week? Because as we bring that up, we become more thoughtful about and aware about what God desires to do in our lives for his glory and what he doesn't want us to do. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 speaks very clearly about this and what that looks like. So the Holy Spirit breathes into us. So goals from inspiration, first and foremost, they're inspired, inspired in spirit. The Holy Spirit breathes into us a thought. And that thought is inspired by God, particularly when we're, we're living in the thrill, the thrill of the surrendered life, which is another podcast that I just got in. 
living in that thrill of the surrendered life that what does that mean that that means to completely as paul said it is no longer i who live but christ who lives within me that's the archway my friends to joy when it's no longer i who live but christ who lives within me meaning i am moved to action to do mighty things that god has prepared in advance for me to do Ephesians 2.20, it is the power of God that is able to accomplish abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. This power of God that works within us that we're told, ha, ah, that is the sweet spot of inspiration in spirit, the power of God within us to do mighty things. And one of the biggest ones is the Holy Scriptures. Man was inspired by God. I just finished reading Revelations again. Not that I understand the whole thing, but I just know it says anyone who reads Revelations is blessed. <laughs> so I continually read it and ask God, okay, Lord, what's my next takeaway from Revelations? And I think this time when I read through it, stand firm because I'm coming back and overcome because those who overcome will be invited in. And overcoming, by the way, is an inspiration of the Holy Spirit within us. So there's a few examples from Holy Scripture of goals accomplished through inspiration. These are just a few examples. There are many, many examples. One was Abraham was inspired to trust God. Uh, even when he was in his 90s, uh, obviously didn't have any kids at that point. And Sarah was, I believe, in her 90s as well, <laughs> way beyond childbearing years. And he was inspired to trust God. Sarah laughed at first, which is why they named their son Isaac when he was born, which means laughter. So Abraham was inspired by God. Now in the Old Testament, we know that the Holy Spirit came upon people and inspired them. Faith is an inspiration, my friends. If you're lacking it, ask for more. God, that's one of the most beautiful prayers God desires to answer in your life. Lord, I do not believe that you can bring good out of this ugly situation. Give me the faith to believe that you can. So Abraham was inspired to trust God for a child. First and foremost, he was also inspired to trust God with the life of his son, Isaac. As he went to the top of the mountain, he was following God's inspiration to do that, and God provided. Noah, famous story, was inspired to build an ark. I often think in that time when, when Noah was building this ark, just the responses of people around him, he wasn't hijacked by the need to impress. He wasn't hijacked by the drug of approval or the disease to please. Are you? Those three things, the desire to impress, the drug of approval, and the disease to please can get us off the goals that God calls us to do. In fact, when God is calling us to do a goal, if there's a lot of noise in the space of wanting to impress the drug of approval, the disease to please, reevaluate the goal or and how you're going about achieving the goal, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord in Zechariah 4, 6. It's not about you. It's about me through you. Now, Noah allowed that to come through him. Holy cow. Shazam. If you ever re read through re read through the story of Noah, it's so powerful because you see the, the size of the ark that he was able to build. Um, 
humanly impossible. <laughs> and yet God inspired him to do this. And he followed God's guidance specifically to get it done before the big flood. Then there's Joseph. Perhaps you identify with Joseph. Joseph was, was thrown into a pit by his brothers. They were jealous of him. They compared. The last podcast is three reasons to stop comparing yourself to other people. And Joseph's brothers were hijacked by comparison. So they came up with a goal of desperation. Their goal of desperation led to throwing Joseph into a pit. And he was picked up, sold into slavery, and continually had setbacks, continual rejections and setbacks. And he was inspired to trust God in spite of it. And as a result, he became the second, second man to the king, ended up saving his family. That's a goal of inspiration. I will trust you, God, even though I don't understand this situation. I heard a beautiful testimony the other day of someone who had lost their brother in a car accident. And the first prayer that she prayed was that she would trust God. Dear God, help me to trust you. And I'm willing to trust you to get me through this. And as soon as she prayed that prayer, doors started opening for her emotionally, physically, spiritually to sustain her through that experience and use it for an ultimate good that, as we're told in scriptures, far outweighs our momentary suffering. Joseph did that. Even though I've been rejected, I've been um, overlooked, I've been deceived, I've had empty promises made to me that weren't fulfilled. Um, I've, I've been um, accused of sleeping with uh, the wife of someone I was serving unjustly because I didn't do it. So false accusations. And yet I am inspired to have the goal of trusting you no matter what happens in my life. That's a pretty good one. Perhaps that's your takeaway for today. I will trust you, God, even though I don't understand this that you have a way through this. That is my goal. Give me the grace to trust you. And David was inspired to face Goliath. He wasn't the, the sharpest tool in the shed when it came to height and strength. And yet God called him a humble little shepherd. And he was inspired. Talk about a goal. Take down the giant. So what's your giant today? What's the goal that you have to overcome a giant today? Allow the inspiration to come in to give you the grace as God gave David to conquer Goliath. Esther, beautiful story. She was inspired to face the fear of possible death to save her people. The king was known to kill people instantly if they didn't have his favor. And there was a protocol that, that showed whether she had his favor. And she did. If you read through the book of Esther, it's a beautiful, powerful story. But her goal was to deliver her people. That was inspired by God to have compassion on her people and to get it right, because there was a lot of deception in that story. It's a short little book if you haven't read through Esther. She had a phrase that I'll often use, and I've used with the Emotional Intelligence in Christ Project, if for such a time as this. Esther was inspired by God to go for a goal where death was on the line. Daniel was inspired to stand up for his faith and trust God 
in the middle of the of the lion's den. Daniel was also inspired to do lots of other things. But the main thing, the common thread with Daniel is he was faithful. And he wasn't willing. He had the goal of, of, of standing firm in his faith in God. And he trusted him in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rakshak, and Benny, they were inspired to trust God because they were thrown into the fire from the Old Testament because they wouldn't bow down and worship the statue when the horns were blown. And so they they trusted God through death. As a result, when they were thrown in a fire, a fourth man appeared that looked like the Son of Man. We know who that was. When they came out of the fire, they weren't even burned. They weren't even the, the clothes weren't even singed. Their hair wasn't even singed. Their clothes didn't even smell like fire. My friends, this is what happens when we have goals that are inspired by God. He gives us the protection, the grace, the wisdom, the strength, the fortitude to be able to accomplish them. Whatever God calls you to, he's faithful. He'll give you the strength to do it. What we call ourselves to, that's where the goals from desperation come. And things don't turn out the way we want them to. Moses was inspired in spite of his own self-doubt and insecurities to deliver God's people. That was a huge honking goal for Moses. He started talking about his speech impediment. And just, again... As soon as we abandon worrying about what people will think of us, we can do mighty things for God because we're not held back by our own insecurities. God overrode that. He even pre presented Aaron to walk with him to be a mouthpiece to him. So again, God is resourceful. He put a goal into Moses' heart. We are delivering my people. Enough is enough. And Moses accepted it. So he was inspired. That was a goal of inspiration. Peter was inspired to walk on water. Paul was inspired to preach the gospel message. In the same town, he persecuted Christians. Stephen was inspired to preach the gospel message in spite of facing death. These are all goals of inspiration. Now, these are these are some mighty goals from the Old Testament, my friend, my friends. Think about your goal. God cares about or the goals that he's giving you, not your goals, but God's goals in you. Let's shift our conversation a bit. Let's take a deeper dive into desperation. What does that mean? It comes from the word despair. The etymology of in Latin means loss of hope and confidence. We might be able to ride, depending upon our gifts and talents, pretty far sometimes, setting our own goals, achieving our own goals depending on what resources God has blessed us with. However, there comes a time when we come to the end of ourselves. And then where do we go? I'm reminded of a conversation I've shared before with an atheist who was questioning, well, you seem pretty talented and you got lots of good natural strengths and everything. Isn't it your own efforts that's able to give you the strength to overcome cancer and walk through the divorce? You're giving credit to God, but isn't it you? I mean, I'm a pretty good person. I think that that, you know, I'm I'm a good person and I can achieve things on my own efforts. And I remember pausing and asking God, how do you want me to respond to that? And I waited for a moment. Let the silence do the heavy lifting as I ask God for wisdom. The book of Nehemiah, first couple chapters, it talks about that. If you look at the, the first chapter, you'll notice that the writer of Nehemiah pauses before he responds and prays. 
It's another way to link our goals or tune into what God's goals are for us. Pause and pray. And instantly, God gave me this. I responded by saying, hey, um, yeah, that's possible. On your own efforts, you can go pretty far. But then when you come to the end of yourself, where do you go? What happens then? Because there'll, t- there'll come a time in your life and at your death where you will come to the end of yourself, your strengths, your knowledge, your education, your bank account. You can't bring that with you. And you'll come to an end of yourself. And then where do you go? I was talking to my daughter about this yesterday. She's like, mommy, I don't understand how come everyone just doesn't believe in God because you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Everything to gain and nothing to lose. And so responding in that way, that was a, that was wisdom from the Holy Spirit of where do we go when we come to the end of ourselves? Then what happens? And as a result of my faith in Christ, God gave me the grace to have the goal for life in spite of the diagnosis of five years in 2006. Glory be to God, because he wasn't done with me. This isn't our home. We're passing through here. If he's done and he's accomplished the purposes for which he sent you, then you'll go home. So what work does God still have for you to do? And perhaps it's doing the exact work you're doing and yet shifting who gets the glory or shifting your attitude to one similar to Mother Teresa who did all small things with great love and gave meaning to them. Or anytime you're doing anything, make it a prayer. Folding laundry, pray for the people. Goal of folding your load of laundry. I mean, we make goals all the time, all the time my friends. It's a matter of making them... Uh, giving God the opportunity to make his will come alive in the goal so that you do all things with great love. Latin etymology, again, of the word desperation is loss of confidence and hope. And that's what happens when you come to the end of yourself. When you're in a place of desperation, you're willing to do anything to change an undesirable situation oftentimes abandoning our values and moral reasoning. Because when we are desperate, that's when Satan comes in, plants fear, self-doubt, and worry, and we drop into bottom-up thinking, survival mode. We only have three reactive choices when we're in a place of desperation, fight, flight, or freeze. And when we're in that place of desperation, the flesh always, always guides our spirit. Romans 7, 14 through 25. Let's take a look at scripture again. Well, let's pause for a moment. When was the last time you had a goal? You made a goal and it was a goal from desperation. You were feeling cornered. And so you made a a desperate decision. Now, this is what I'm going to do. It's a small goal, right? I'm going to do this. And it's coming from a place of desperation, meaning fear, self-doubt, worry. What was the outcome of that goal? When we started the podcast, I invited you to think about a goal from inspiration. Now think of a goal from desperation. 
when you're desperate to achieve something, what happens inside of you? What takes center stage? What grabs the mic? What behavior crashes the scene? Here are a few examples from scripture. Saul, who is the first king of Israel, by the way, has goals for power, and it led to greed and his, and his downfall. King Darius, his goal was for more power and the drug of approval, because he was kind of like, ah, I don't want to do this. Daniel's a good guy. But yet he was pressured without, outside of him, kind of like King Herod was pressured. You said you'd give me the head of John the Baptist. And he was he was overridden by the drug of approval and, and threw, threw, threw Daniel to the lions. We all know that that had a good ending. And he ended up turning to God, the God of Daniel, as a result of that experience. That's the other thing that God does, even when we do make goals of de from desperation, my friends. He makes all things new. Revelations. Behold, I make all things new new. So don't let Satan lie to you saying, God can't bring good out of this. You've, you've wandered too far. You've sinned too much. That's a lie. Liar. That's not truth. When we come to God and we ask for the opportunity to begin again, and we turn from the behavior that separates us from God, which is sin, by his strength and his wisdom, and his grace. We can begin again a hundred times a day or more. God's love overrides our self-doubt. So begin again today, wherever you're at. Don't believe the lie that it's beyond the love of God. Nothing is beyond the love of God. Judas thought his sin was beyond the love of God. It wasn't. And he took his own life. Peter sinned just as much. He totally rejected Jesus three times. But he knew that God's love was great enough to restore him, and it did. So King Nebuchadnezzar, his goal was to be worshipped by everyone, as I mentioned. That was his goal. But the desperation of that goal led to him throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the goal of, from inspiration, to honor God no matter what happens. And, and I invite you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, more than ever, to consider that goal. I have the goal to honor you, Jesus. No matter how dark it gets, no matter what comes against me, grant me the grace to achieve that goal, to be faithful till the end. King Herod had the goal to win the affections of Salome, Her Her Herodias's daughter, who had danced. It triggered, it triggered uh, lust within him. And he had the goal to, to uh, engage in that, which led to the behavior of beheading John the Baptist, the one sent to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. Desperation fuels desperate people, which result in ugly behavior. Compromising values and moral compasses. We've all done it. Totally guilty. Thanks be to God, we get the opportunity to begin again today. Then there's Peter, the goal of walking on water. Let's let's just pause here for a moment. So here's Peter in the boat. 
They see Jesus coming. They think it's a ghost. So the flesh takes over. They have fear, but then the fear is overcome by the declaration of another disciple in the boat that says, the Lord. Once Peter hears that, he's like, oh, okay. So the fear goes away. Isn't that so true of what happens to us? We think something's a ghost in our lives. It scares us, whatever it is. Fear of, of not enoughness, fear of not being forgiven or recognized or anything like that. And then all of a sudden the Lord steps in. Oh, it's the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's you, Lord. And then Peter says, hey, I want to come. He has the goal of walking on water. And Jesus says the one-liner, come. When we have an inspiration from God, my friends, it's very simple. It's direct. Take action. Peter did. He had the thought. He responded to the thought that God placed in his heart. You can do this. Come to me. And as soon as he responded to the thought, he gets out. He's walking on water. It's only when he starts thinking about the thought that he starts to sink. Because that's when desperation slithers in, when we start to think about a thought that God's planted in our mind. And, and by the way, this is Satan's little trick, trickery. He wants us to think about thoughts that God places in our mind because he knows that's how he slithers in. He slithers in through our thinking. When we stay present to God and we hear and respond, we enter into that peace that passes all human understanding. God's got this. Don't let yourself think because thinking creates all that bottom-up thinking that I, that I talked about, all or nothing thinking, catastrophizing, mind reading. So he gets out of the boat. As soon as he looks to his right and his left, he starts thinking about the thought of, oh my gosh, I'm walking on water. How many times do we do that? God places a thought in our, in our minds and we're inspired instantly. Be very aware as you walk away from this podcast of when God inspires you to do something. Call so-and-so. Reach out to this person. Finish that project because that's going to do a mighty work for me. Connect with these people. That's going to open doors to where I want you to go. We'll get a thought, but then all of a sudden we start thinking about the thought and that's what hijacks us and prevents us from moving forward on it. That's when we start to sink. So dear God, give us the grace to accept the thoughts you place in our mind and to act on them quickly without thinking about it. Because that's when we start focusing on our own efforts or lack of efforts or fears or doubts or worries. And we become desperate and we sink. We'll end with Paul. Paul had a goal to kill the Christians. It led to Stephen's stoning and death, led to lots of other negative things. That was a goal of, of desperation, a goal that came from ego, edging God out, a goal that came from self-focus, wanting the approval of other people around him, climbing the ladder, right? For self-gratification and selfishness. I'll say this simple thought. Whenever we are moving from a place of desperation, selfishness is taking center stage. Whenever we move from a place of desperation, selfishness is taking center stage. When we're in a place of desperation, we often ruminate about an undesirable situation with a filter that overrides our moral compass 
And it gives access to what Paul describes in Galatians 5, 19 through 21 as the ways of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, adultery, witchcraft, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I'd like to go back to witchcraft. People are turning toward evil at a phenomenal rate. The Church of Satan has been growing over the last several years in terms of the members that are a part of it. Evil is real, my friends. When people are in a place of desperation, fueled by selfishness, they will, they will go to the dark side to get what they want because they're moving from their own self-centered goals. And we've done it as well. As I ask you to think of a goal when you were from a place of desperation and then dismantle that, what part of me or where did selfishness manifest in that place of des desperation for me? Perhaps it's yelling at your wife or, or, or sassing back to your husband or um, demanding things of your child when they want to talk through something and not letting them talk and share with you. Perhaps it's accepting, um, it's, it's not accepting where God has planted you and you don't want to bloom there because you think you deserve to bloom somewhere else. We will do anything to get what we think we deserve or want. Be very, very careful. It is an ugly space where Satan hijacks us, gets into our mind, and wants us to pursue those goals of desperation fueled by selfishness. When we set goals from a place of desperation, we are moving from bottom-up thinking, problems-focused, as I mentioned. In neuroscience, it's referred to that, versus top-down thinking, which is solution-focused. Top-down thinking from a place of a follower of Christ is, Jesus, I do not want to say one word, pursue anything in my life today, unless I am doing your mighty will. If this is not your will, and if it's not producing good fruit, if it's, that's one way to discern in your life where to prune for, for growth, is this goal that I have producing good fruit for God? And some people say, well, I work, you know, in an industry where, you know, I'm making widgets all day long. How does that produce the good fruit of God? Many times you're working beside by side other people. What's your witness like? How do you do those tasks? How do you show up? What are the, what are the, how do you make God recognizable in what you're doing? And we're also called to do things with excellence because God is always watching us. Work as if you're working for God, not man. If you work solo, work as if you're working for God and invite that inspiration. Do you want me to spend my time doing this, Lord? Or is, or is there another goal that you want to inspire me to, pers to pursue? Inspiration is always top-down thinking, from God down through us, within us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. As we set goals and use our own mental efforts to figure out, is this the best way to achieve the goal? I got to figure this out. Okay, what's the best way for me to achieve this goal? Many times we'll disguise it too. We'll wrap it up really pretty. And we'll say, oh, no, no, Lord, no, this is this is really this is really from you. Like, I, I know this is from you. So I got to figure this out. We'll stay up late at night. We'll, um, uh, we'll put our values to the back seat. 
We won't allow ourselves to be interrupted for God's purposes because we're focusing on this goal that we believe that God has given us. Whenever we put things before people, my friends, that is not a goal from God. If it's a goal that has room for the people we love and the people that God puts in our lives, then that's a goal that honors God and that perhaps he's calling you to. Because when we move from our own mental efforts to try to figure it out, what's the best way to do this? And guys, don't interrupt me. I've got to do this. And we start to become frustrated or this uh, lack of peace. That's the other way of, of knowing that it's not from God. If you don't have peace about what you're doing, my friends, it is not of God. God will give you peace even in suffering. I remember when I went through the double mastectomy and 16 chemos and additional year and a half of, of experimental chemo and six weeks of daily radiation and um, third degree burns on my chest. They had to graft my back onto my front with 14 surgeries while going through a divorce with my three children, eight, 10, and 12 at the time. I, I, I remember that I had the one goal to accomplish and it was this survival for the sake of my kids. And when I, when I relied on my own efforts, my own ideas, my thoughts, my own inspiration for, to, to accomplish this goal of survival, the weaker I became every single time. And as I leaned into the victory that I witnessed throughout scriptures of people facing very challenging situations, like real lions, giants, and prison. I noticed that victory was achieved in this one choice, to surrender my will to the will of God. In this state of surrendering our goals, our will, to God's goals and his will, we move from a place of desperation to inspiration, and all things become possible. Goals from desperation are flesh-driven always, self-centered, selfish, self-focused. Goals from inspiration are Holy Spirit-driven, God-focused. They come with peace. They come with a sense of purpose. And purpose, again, in simplicity, comes when you pray and ask God to show me, Lord, what are my goals and talents that you've blessed me with? And you can pray this today. Lord, what are my goals and talents, the, the ones that you have blessed me with? Because you gave them to me so that I can be your ambassador and use them to make you recognizable in this world, to love better. So what are those goals? And then second, once God reveals those goals to you, and even if you're not sure, ask some people that, that love the Lord, that know you, hey, what do you think my gifts and talents are? And do you think what I'm doing aligns with those gifts and talents to help other people? Because that's the second part of discernment around your purpose. What are my gifts and talents? And the second is how do you want me to use these, dear God, to help other people? It's pretty simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Thank you for my gifts and talents, Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is the whole uh, foundational calling of emotional intelligence in Christ project. It's the how-to. How do we do that? What does that look like? Because those emotions fuel behaviors that lead to desperation, desperate goals, and hijacking 
the higher goals that God's called us to. Take Moses, for example. He witnessed the supernatural phenomenon of the burning bush. He had a thought. That's how God speaks to us in his inspiration and the goals he wants us to do. He had a thought to move toward the bush. And he took action on that thought. As soon as he did, as soon as he takes a step toward the bush, God spoke. And the goals that God had for Moses were revealed and accomplished. So as we end, remember Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, not by power, my friends, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by our own might and power, goals from desperation, will we accomplish great things for God's glory, but by his spirit within us. Hear and listen. This day I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life that you may live, that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him because the Lord is your life. Therefore, it's his goals that he inspires within you that will accomplish what he set forth to accomplish through your life. Surrender your will to the will of God. Take a moment to think about a desired goal that you have. Choose one that you'd like to accomplish in six months or less. You can pause this recording before I continue on this. Just take a moment to write down a desired goal that you, that you currently have. One that you'd like to accomplish in six months or less. Next, reflect on your motive as to why you want to achieve this goal and what your desired outcome is. So this is my goal. Hmm. What's my motive behind wanting this? Hmm. And what is my desired outcome? This reflection will give you the opportunity with the Holy Spirit to identify if your goal is flesh-driven or spirit-driven. Sweet Jesus, we pray that the purpose for which our heart beats would inspire the goals you desire to accomplish in and through us. Give us the grace, we pray today, to discern the gifts and talents that you have given to us. Holy Spirit, show us what God desires when it comes to our gifts and talents to help others. Give us the grace to pause before any thought that you place in our mind or any thought that Satan might try to cause us to think about. Is this from you or is this from us? We want to set goals that are inspired by your Holy Spirit within us to accomplish your mighty works for the sake of salvation of souls in this world. We are not here for ourselves, dear God. Remove any goal from our lives that is not inspired by you. We give you permission to convict our hearts, to let go, release the grip of attachment to any goals that are not inspired by you. And give us that wisdom, God, as you gave Solomon, to know and to act upon the thoughts that lead to the goals, that lead to the inspiration, to accomplish them for your great glory. 
because it's getting really dark out there, Lord. And time is short. We want to be able to hear at the end of our life, well done, my good and faithful servant. In your most precious name, I pray for a blessing to everyone, everyone who's listening to this call. Bless them with the ability of discernment to know what is of you and what is not. Bless them with the grace to be able to release those goals that are wasting time. And then to take that energy and put them into the goals that you have inspired for them to accomplish. That will guide them into the good works which you have prepared in advance for them to do. We ask this in Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, this was a lot of information in today's podcast. I encourage you to listen to it again and again, asking the Holy Spirit to use this as a little retreat, a reset button to discern in your life. Is this from God? Is this not from God? Is this a goal of inspiration or a goal of desperation? God is with you. He loves you right where you're at and loves you enough not to leave you there. Give him heaven out there. There's enough of the dark side going on. Look forward to our next podcast. Again, visit us at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com and join our class, EIC 2023, and explore edgegodin.com for more podcasts. God bless you today.